And greetings, everyone. Uh, for so many years as a student sitting in uh, a zindo in a traditional manner facing the wall, uh, often early in the morning, my body grew accustomed to listening, uh, listening for the people arriving, walking uh, quietly in bare feet to their seat, uh, my senses kind of alert to not only listening, but peripheral vision to see if someone might be sitting next to me mm -hmm. so I could bow to greet their bow as they approach their seat. And then in the formal temples to be ready for the senior priest, Jundo they called it, the priest would walk all the way around before they went to offer incense and, and sit. And if you listened carefully and watched out of the corner of your eye, you could notice when they went behind you and you simply raised your hands and gusho for a moment and put them back. It was like a beautiful welcome wave, soundless in terms of voice, but a beautiful presence of arrival. And then later, when I was that person, was standing, watching people arrive, waiting to open the zindo, and listening and getting the feel of people settling in. And we meet like this, since those things are in my body, I imagine as I see the numbers grow on the little counter, as if I could hear each of you, feel each of you gathering in this inconceivably vast, but nonetheless similarly intimate space of sitting. And once everyone is settled and the incense is offered, and the priest steps back, or the head person back to do their vows and approach their seat. Can we hear the three bells, which we'll hear now, to invite us for our initial sitting? Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being.
I'll welcome everyone again. It's good to be with you in this space, which some of you know is between a retreat that was sponsored by the Open Doors Zen community in Madison, Wisconsin, in which we also uh, in, celebrated an entrustment ceremony for new lay teachers there in uh, Madison and also in the UK. So we had many uh, sanghas included. Um, open door, opened their door to invite everyone to be part of that retreat. And then this coming weekend, uh, I'll be a part of uh, a retreat sponsored by um, a, a younger blossoming sangha. They call themselves Awakening Together in uh, Minneapolis, in the Twin Cities, really. And uh, normally I would be traveling in the Midwest between these two, two cities. But it's nice to be able to uh, continue to be connected in this way and uh, to invite everyone to join us without having to travel. It's one of the side benefits of this difficult time. In this interim time, as I've been integrating um, our experiences from the retreat sponsored by Open Door and thinking about and preparing to enter uh, this retreat with Awakening Together, uh, there's an echo uh, among many that continues with me, and one of them um, has to do with a story that Josh Gifford, one of our new teachers from uh, the UK, <clears throat> spoke about in his Dharma talk. So some of you have heard this piece, but it's worth remembering. It's not that I'm necessarily trying to remember it. I can't forget it. And it's not complicated. What I want to say today, my entire message is not complicated at all. It's very simple. Uh, Josh told a story about an article he had read from The Guardian about a 31-year-old young man who was ill in some way and knew that his illness was a terminal one, that he would die, and was writing some things that he wanted to communicate before his death. And uh, Josh reported that the publication, when it finally came out, um, was actually the day in which he, he passed away. And uh, it, it's a longer story than I can go into here, but he basically said something incredibly simple. And you know that the line that I often use in retreats is the reminder how simple are you willing to let this be? The young man said, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. And I was surprised at how many people, when they spoke to me during the retreat, talked about how enjoyment wasn't something they thought about in their life. Not that they didn't enjoy things, but like your life was for enjoyment? Sort of central teaching of Maizumi Roshi, one of the first generation um, Japanese teachers here who came to Los Angeles, he spoke about appreciating your life, which is fundamental to our practice, to really appreciate that you have a life and appreciate the life you have and to choose it over and over again. So enjoy your life. And this young man spoke about five things. And these five things are 
fundamental to our practice and to any approach to life that isn't self-centered, really, which is what spiritual practice is about. He spoke about, number one, gratitude, being grateful for one's life and finding and noticing and appreciating things that you're grateful for. Secondly, a well-lived life is long enough without some judgment about taken too soon. Or a well-lived life is long enough. Number three, allow vulnerability and connect with others. Right in the center of these five things, allow vulnerability and connect. Number four, the active expression of that, do something for others. Reach out and do something, be of service. And number five, that service can extend further. He wanted to include something for the future, which is save the planet. And this becomes a circular practice of gratitude for our life and planet, appreciating the life that we have, not the one that we fantasized, allowing vulnerability so that we can connect, offering ourselves and receiving what others offer. It's, it's a beautiful sequence. And I, I can't get it out of my mind, I think partly because it was um, uh, beautifully told and it was poignant, but also because it echoes so deeply what we all coming back to in these practices. And our spiritual practice has to do with this great matter, not about just improving things. Um, not This isn't a self-improvement project, although sometimes our lives improve. Um, it's certainly not a psychotherapeutic process, although sometimes there's healing that comes through practice. It's about stepping into the larger perspective of fullness and completeness, the holiness and uh, preciousness of life, despite whatever struggles one might have, whether they're ever remedied or not. And in the process of doing this, so many of the teachings sound so serious. Here we're talking about the great matter of life and death. And they are, but this is my point today. These teachings and these practices are not serious because heavy is helpful. They're sometimes serious only in the extent that they're potent because our attachments and our habits are so strong. It takes a lot to jostle us and wake us up. And so sometimes we speak about things that began to sound heavy, serious, about suffering and the end of suffering. And there's a, a story from the Lotus Sutra, one of the first stories, and any of you who have been following some of Norman Fisher's talks online about the Lotus Sutra, you've, you've heard this. And I, I won't tell the whole story, but there's a parable in which a man is a house that is not in good repair and a fire happens and his family's in and he's out and so he wants to go save the family there's only one entry there's only one way in and out and curiously all the people in the house don't realize it's burning and he can't even initially persuade them to leave because they're so happy in their rooms with their computers and ipads or whatever they have you know they're ancient of course but they're addicted to their own view of their small life and don't realize that everything's burning around them. So he tells them a story that there's something fabulous waiting outside even better and gets them to come outside. 
in which time they begin to wake up and realize the truth of the matter and are saved. Then he tells them the truth. There's no great thing out here is what it needed to get you out of there. And this is how it is for us. We offer teachings that are strong enough to make a difference and kind enough to be an invitation and true enough, fully true, but not always complete because sometimes there's only so much that you can tolerate at one time. Um, so we attempt to do to our best. So we don't want practice to be so terribly serious that it's heavy and daunting because heavy isn't necessarily helpful. Powerful can be useful. And sometimes it takes a certain potency. And one of the powerful things that is useful in practice is joy, the enjoyment of our life, which at the end of his life, this young man was reminding us of. There's another, maybe kind of a, a strange analogy that occurred this last week in one of my practice discussion groups. There's at least two, maybe more, but two people who are my students who will admit to really enjoying the practice of playing poker, that they learn a lot from it. <clears throat> They're not um, gambling addicts, as far as I know, and I can tell pretty well. But they, they do enjoy just the joyful practice of uh, learning about poker. And um, this one young man was talking about how um, he began to realize when he's relaxed and open and not so attached to some outcome, sure enough, he plays better. He's more resourceful. It's not something that's surprising, but he was surprised at the impact. And how when he got so concerned, um, when he got heavy, when he got too serious, his focus narrowed and he was less successful in what he hoped to achieve by playing a game. And that were decidedly a win-lose kind of game. And as we talked about it, I said, well, this encapsulates really the essence of teachings. I said, what if you played as if there's nothing at stake? You can't lose anything. And you played fully like your life depended on it. You're all in. And these two things are essential for the way that we meet our life. In some ways, there's nothing to lose. The things that you can lose, you will lose. You'll lose everything. So in some ways, there's nothing at stake. You just live your life and then play it like your life dependent on it because it does. And so does everyone else's. Free yourself into some joy. And I, I came upon, as I was thinking about these ideas about enjoying our life, freeing ourselves from habit patterns, I came upon a poem I hadn't seen in a long time, which I really enjoyed. And it so echoed where we find ourselves in this moment that I wanted to share it with you again and do a brief reflection to invite your, your questions and our inquiry today. It's a Hafiz poem. So it's an ancient poem, ancient Sufi poem. And the uh, English translation of the title, which was given to it, uh, is If It Is Not Too Dark. Even the title reminded me of 
gosh, when we look around at some of these um, circumstances in which we find ourselves these days, it seems rather dark at times. Um, just, I'm going to go through the, the, the poem once and then I'll come back and, and make a few, few comments. Hafiz says, go for a walk if it's not too dark. Get some fresh air. Try to smile. Say something kind to a safe-looking stranger if one happens by. Always exercise your heart's knowing. You might well attempt something real along this path. Take your spouse, your lover, in your arms the way you did when you first met. Let tenderness pour from your eyes the way the sun gazes warmly on the earth. Play a game with some children. Extend yourself to a friend. Sing a few ribald songs to your pets and plants. Why not let them get drunk and wild? Let's toast every rung we've climbed on evolution's ladder. Whisper, I love you. I love you to the whole mad world. Let's stop reading about God. We'll never understand her. Jump to your feet. Wave your fists. Threaten and warn the whole universe that your heart can no longer live without real love. So I enjoyed this so much because it has this celebratory quality of joy, which echoed so many of the things the young man talked about, about playing as if your whole life depended on this exuberance and willingness to extend and receive love wherever you can find it. Go for a walk. If it's not too dark, he begins. It's what Peg and so many Sangha members do every day that it's possible. Walk around the Hancock Golf Course there in Austin next to Appamata. Get some fresh air. Try to smile, he says. And say something kind to a safe-looking stranger if one happens by. Suzanne Kilkas in Madison during the retreat last week led walking meditation at the um, Holy Wisdom Monastery where we've met for many, many, many years to walk on that sacred ground. And then went to a personal farm of um, Michael Smith, Mickey Joe, who was one of our his students along with Catherine Coleman and walked on that sacred ground the black earth of the farmlands of the Midwest. Go for a walk if it's not too dark. Get some fresh air. Try to smile. Say something kind to a safe stranger if one happens by. Always exercise your heart's knowing. What is your heart's knowing? This is what the young man is talking about. This was his heart's knowing as his heart took its final beats. Be grateful. Know that your life is well lived. It's long enough. Allow vulnerability. Connect with other people. Do something for others and be attentive and kind to our planet. What is your heart's knowing? And then a kind of a 
strong punch in the middle, you might well attempt something real along this path. And what does Hafiz describe as something real? All of it is the last three stanzas about love. Taking those you love in your arms, let tenderness pour from your eyes the way the sun gazes warmly on the earth. It's so beautiful, isn't it? What if that's how you looked into that little camera? As if tenderness was pouring from your eyes the way the sun gazes warmly on the earth. He says, play a game with some children. Extend yourself to a friend. Sing to your pets and plants. I love that. Why not let all of them get drunk and wild? Freed up. Not too serious, not too heavy. But something that's powerful enough to move us out of the burning house. To wake us up that something needs to happen. To care for each other, to love each other, to enjoy our life. And he says, let's toast every rung we've climbed on evolution's ladder. Appreciate who we are, what we are, what's possible for us. And then whisper. The follow-up to that is whisper, I love you. I love you to the whole mad world that we offer ourselves so beautifully to a world that is crazy. And today, what do we hear more? I hate you, I hate you. Not I love you, I love you. No matter what direction and what peoples. So he says, whisper, I love you, I love you to the whole mad world. I want to stop reading about the divine. Let's stop just reading our books on Buddhism and meditation and this and that. Because we're never going to understand it completely. It's the inconceivable. And understanding is not the main thing that's going to make the changes. Study is good. I like reading. But he's saying for a moment, if you pause and jump to your feet, the next line says, wave your fists and threaten and warn the whole universe that your heart can no longer live without real love. This is the demand that we should make in the streets. These are the signs we should carry. That love is what we need. And I don't mean sentimentality or romanticism. The fierceness, the fullness, the energy and the joy. And that which we can't live without, without real love, something real along this path is called our practice. So I'll then read the poem in total just one more time. Remember, if it's not too dark, if it's not too dark, go for a walk if it's not too dark. Get some fresh air, try to smile, say something kind to a safe-looking stranger if one happens by. Always exercise your heart's knowing. You might well attempt something real along this path. Take your spouse, love her in your arms the way you did when you first met. Let tenderness pour from your eyes the way the sun gazes warmly on the earth. Play a game with some children. Extend yourself to a friend. Sing a few ribald songs to your pets and plants. Why not let them get drunk and wild? Let's toast every rung we've climbed on evolution's ladder. Whisper, I love you. I love you to the whole 
mad world. Let's stop reading about God. We'll never understand him. Jump to your feet, wave your fists, threaten and warn the whole universe that your heart can no longer live without real love. So I hope that you remember, like the story I've told several times about when Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, decades ago, was invited to come to Tassajara, the Zen monastery where I did the monastic training that I did, that is the monastery of the San Francisco Zen Center. And he was invited to come, as many senior uh, Buddhist teachers have been. And after he was there for a while, the senior teachers um, asked him if he had any comments or any suggestions, because he was certainly a deep, deeply um, trained practitioner and had his own monks and nuns in his monastery. And he said, yes, he did have one recommendation. Uh, he actually had two. One of them had to do with uh, having people get some sleep. Um, but he said, you know, you could smile a little. You could smile a little. Heaviness doesn't help. Being overly serious doesn't solve the problem. But the fierceness that's required to wake up against the strong current of habit patterns and hiding and wishing life was otherwise sometimes takes a lot to to jolt us, and sometimes it takes a while for it to arrive, even when we've been practicing. Yesterday, some of you may have heard that there was quite a large earthquake off the coast of Alaska and near the Aleutian Islands. 7.9, I think, it was quite large. And there were tsunami warnings. And as I was sitting here speaking to um, one of my students, I felt the shockwaves here in Hawaii, a small earthquake, a tremor. And when I looked at the clock and then looked at the news, I realized it had taken 45 minutes for that shockwave to come through the earth from the northern part of the Pacific Ocean to the Hawaiian Islands. And then the surges, there weren't tsunamis here in Hawaii, but the surges on the north shores of the islands happened that evening. It took many more hours for the ocean to swell and move. And this is how practice is. Sometimes there are seismic shifts that turn our life like the young man who's dying. How long will it take for the tremors to be felt, for the swells to be noticed, for our lives to begin to shift, not because there's something wrong with them, but so we can wake up to the fullness of this life that we have and care for each other in the fullness of the love, which is what we're built for. So if this brings uh, questions or things that you'd like to, to comment on and connect about, please, please do. This is our, our focus, to really focus on what is your practice edge around these things that we're speaking about, and how can we meet them, not only to help you, but in the service of everyone who's listening. It makes a big difference to others. So. Please raise your hand and uh, so that we can we can meet.
this is like dealing the cards, you know. You look at your hand. And you think, gosh, hmm. Judith. There it is. Hi. It's been a while since I've seen you and heard you. It has been a while. I actually wasn't able to zoom in last week and I really missed it. <laughs> I really missed oh, it. Oh, I missed you. And uh, I'm so glad I was able to, to get in today. Um, we'll see when I go back and try to meditate <laughs> if I've been shaken. <laughs> yeah. I had been in a what seemed like an unending cycle of trying to meditate, mm -hmm. you know, and not That's an interesting <laughs> practice. <laughs> not being able to one. just not being able to just do it, you know. And so I feel like your teachings today may have been a bit of an earthquake to get me. Well, you know, you're, really, you're really faced with the um, uh, the poker teachings now. Yes. Like, no, don't stop trying. Just nothing's at stake. You know. I just, know. Just, and then offer yourself fully, like your life depended on it. Yes. And it's that sort of paradox. It sounds so easy. <laughs> right, but it okay. takes a bit sometimes to yes. shake us out of the house that's burning. You know. Yeah, so I feel like um, I will, I'll be, at least for a while, <laughs> at least for a while, be able to better um, relax and meditate fully. Right, and even if you want, you could drop the uh, notion that you're meditating. Mm-hmm, oh. And... I suggest when it's time to sit that you just sit zazen, which is just sitting. So you're not engaged in some additional sort of yogic activity to attempt to achieve a result. You're just, <laughs> you're just sitting. Mm -hmm. You're just sitting. Back to and the so base. Sometimes, sometimes the meditation, we, we get caught in that I'm supposed to be doing mm -hmm. something and it's supposed to give me a certain result and that's how we mm -hmm. get caught. Instead, yeah. I'm going to sit in a basic, gracious, noble, upright posture, full of gratitude, and just express my Buddha nature, even if I don't feel like that's who I am. And just let your, let that energy spread out from Little Rock, Arkansas to everywhere <laughs> it wants to go. And please, would you give my best to everyone there? Yes. I will. I won't be able to zoom in next week because we're beginning the uh, group called Writing the Last Chapter. You remember we consulted with you about that. Yeah. And it starts next week and is scheduled to overlap <laughs> with this, but it's just once a month. So you might yeah. just briefly say what that is so people understand what you're doing. Um, <laughs> writing the last chapter? Yes, we're meeting to give each other um, support in 
all aspects of preparing to die, emotional, phys, um, practical. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it will be once a month for 12 months. And uh, hopefully we'll have it all taken care of. I will take <laughs> you, will, you will have uh, plunged into the great matter in a way that is that includes all of those pieces the young man suggested. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's our intention. Yeah, well, that's why I wanted you to mention it. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. the, um, the title is like a way of writing the last chapter. It's such a great title. Oh, <laughs> there. Um, well, this is nothing profound. It's more in a, a conversational, just like if we were sitting here together, um, associations. Um, but when you were talking about how, you know, like it's the earthquake and that was so profound. It would, you know, you just have these images in your mind of the waves traveling and the sound and everything, you know, in the, you know, like if you're in a spaceship and looking down and seeing the globe. But it made me think about um, my partner, Sonny, um, has had some health problems lately, some serious health problems. And when we started reviewing everything that happened on February 1st, we were taking a beautiful walk along the river. It was Super Bowl Sunday. We were, you know, it was a beautiful sunny day here in San Antonio. And so we're walking along with the dog and a speeding cyclist comes along and runs over Sonny, literally knocks him down and runs him over. And at and the time- say, say what his age is so people know. He's 83. Yeah, and he's a very person, but still he's 83. <laughs> And so at that point he jumped up and the, you know, I was, I was really upset, but then I looked at the cyclist and I realized he was hurt too. And so net net, they didn't call any doctors and Sonny said, oh, I'm fine and everything. Well, recently he's had a pinched nerve in his back and it's the exact spot where he was hit. So it's like from the, actions he's been doing since mm -hmm. the accident, which we just kind of thought it was just jump right up and go on like you do when you're 20. It, that didn't happen. So, you know, in other words, it's been slowly happening over time and then just hit like the, the earthquake. <laughs> and so it's just so phenomenal when you are older that you start seeing these patterns in other words, we start, just like you said about the burning down the house, we start awakening to the burning down, whereas it's been slowly smoldering all this time, but we weren't aware of it. Right. And right. that's just a, the, the illness thing is just a metaphor for everything else, you know, that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. But it yeah. just hit me so strongly through that. I just wanted to share that. And if you have a practice you're more likely to notice, you're more likely to get out sooner <laughs> and you're more likely to understand that, oh, 
every single thing has a consequence and sometimes we don't understand it but if we open our minds and attend to our bodies and touch each other's hearts then we can be um, uh, kind to each other as these things inevitably unfold like you're like you're describing so it looks like you're back in san antonio today yes <laughs> yeah i would Ready you to give, go back up get, to the Give him my best for his health okay. and healing, of course. He, it was, he, has, he has five hours of tests on tomorrow morning so, for different oh, okay. things. So, anyway, but hopefully everything will come out well. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, Claudine, bonjour, ça va? Hi, Flint, bonjour. <laughs> ça va, et toi? Eh, très bien, merci. Mm. Let's come back to English. <laughs> well, I want to share something. I had my own earthquakes this weekend. Oh. I realized, you know how important for me it is, this sentence, um, life as it is the only teacher. Yes. Uh -huh. And I'm really, it's really an intention for me to go with that sentence, to yes. go with that, with that. Yes. But then I realized that behind that, my, my only preoccupation is to try to fix things, to repair things, to change reality to prevent reality to go on. And I, it was quite a shock. Yeah, because when you I really realize it. Yes, I was not aware that I was trying so much to, to stop reality, to go its flow. <laughs> Even though you might understand that intellectually to really get it completely. It? Oh, this is what I've oh. been doing. Yes. And as soon as I have a problem, you know, as all this problem of anxiety or, or whatever, I, it must disappear. I must do something, even if, I, and I was not even um, conscious. Right, right. But that's the moment of waking up. Realize yeah. that's what we wake up to. Yeah. Very good, because that line, each moment, life as it is, that's the turn in the chant. Mm. That's, that's the practice turn. So well done. It's good for you to focus on that and to let it, let it stay until it ripens. Yeah. I realized also the difference between knowing and understanding. Yeah. I've been trying, and I must admit trying, to understand the second video of, of um, Madison retreat. Yes. The what the some the dual mirror, and I realized I couldn't understand even what it was about. Yes. A bit because of English, but also because what it is what it is. Sure. And I realized after a moment that I, I had to give up to try understanding. And <laughs> it's such and then, a change for me. 
Yeah, but then the knowing came. Not about the jewel mirror samadhi. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Let's, it will take its time. It will take its time, that's right. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. It's wonderful to see you. Yeah, for me too. How do I? Uh, they'll take you. Mm -hmm. Jessica's doing a good job of inviting people in and inviting them back out. Hello, Richie. I see your name there. I'm not hearing you for some reason. It doesn't look like you're muted, but I don't hear you. Oh, goodness. <laughs> No. Or maybe we'll, you can step away and maybe find out about the sound and hopefully you can come back. Thanks, Jessica. Oh, I'm so sorry. Hi, Jim. Hi, Flint. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you. And Robin back there? And Robin, yeah, two for one always. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, your, your, your talk about the comments of the, friend, the person who was dying mm -hmm. uh, brought to mind uh, last Tuesday was the year anniversary of my best friend's death and wow. the one that I spent so much time in the hospital with. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, when I sat with him for a long time, I, I wanted to make just an observation mm -hmm. that the weaker he got, the more of the, of the restrictions of the fiery house left him he he had a uh a going in he had this idea of of his self through his accomplishments mm -hmm. and through and or lack thereof and as he got weaker he had to let all that the the all that go and realized his true uh, treasure in the relationships that he had. Right, that's what was remains is love, yeah. Yeah. And uh, part of that watching that was that 
the letting go came with uh, the weakness of the body, just the, the holding on was all about the physical holding on. Uh-huh. Um, but when you can no longer do it. But when you can't, yeah, when you can no longer do it, then things open up. You know, that's why, you know, you hear the metaphor that often in different Buddhist traditions that the practice is dying before you die. And it sounds so harsh. And once again, heavy and serious. But when you watch it personally, intimately, like you did, you realize, oh, this is, it's not, it's not such a terrible thing. It's a true thing. And it's what the young man was saying is what the poem says. I was reading something by uh, Koben Chino Roshi, who was one of the first generation teachers who was often at San Francisco Zen Center. And he said, when you go to a retreat, an intensive, and people come to you and they say, what are you going to go do? If you tell them the truth, you have to say, I'm going to go learn how to die or I'm going to die. But he said, you can't tell them the truth because then they would stop you because they don't want you to die. So, so you say, I'm going to go to a meditation retreat. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, what is it going to take for you to have that experience? Not because it's harsh, not because it's you know terrible, but because it's liberating. In my practice, I find that the more tired I am going into doing my practice, the more I learn while doing my practice. I just, I mean, things just open up by not being able to, uh, I have to let go of all of my expectations. Mm-hmm. And there's an assumption in what we're saying that's really important to underline, I think. Jim, and that is that I think a lot of people expect that if you can't hold up the edifice, the ideas, the self, yeah, if that collapses, something bad or unimportant or nothing, nothing is what will, they don't realize it. What it shows is then a diamond, a gift. They think it's the it's a collapse, it's a bad thing, but actually it's the, that's where the goodness comes from, and that's that's big. Yeah. What was your friend's name? His name was Michael Aberdeen, and he was the publisher and the editor of Austin All Natural Magazine in Austin. Yeah, it's good to say his name. Yeah. Thank you. That Thank was... you, Jim. Good to see you, Robin. Hey, Bev. You're muted still. Oh. There you go. There you go. Okay. Um, oh boy, I don't know where to start. Everything um, that you brought forward today was just so wonderful and so good to hear. When you started off with the poem of the young man who was kind of taking stock, um, 
And just that simple, those simple three words, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. I thought about the different things I have around my house, one of which is behind me. I can't see it with the window. You know, all is good, right? Or life is good. And I, my immediate thought was, ah, oh, that implies that you don't think it is and you need something to, you know? So, and then I realized I'm in judgment of my judgment, you know? <laughs> it's endless. Even the dog has a comment. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> But just that, that, you know, that those moments, you know, the moments are what are what make life and just to, you know, to even have the presence, the ability to be present for them. I don't think any of us need a reminder to take a walk and smile at a stranger. And yet we do. Yeah. You know, we, get, we just get so caught up, just yeah. get so caught up. Um, yeah, part of what underscoring and part of what Claudine was saying is you could change the life is good mm -hmm. if you want it to life is life. Life is life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Without yeah. judgment, without good, bad. Life is life. Right, right. Um, it's a lot. It, but... It, so I, I go through that little dance in my head as I'm listening and, and just feeling so much freedom coming from what you're saying and being able to follow it and feel it. Um, oh, that was going somewhere and I think it went. Um, oh, then you, you spoke about the earthquake. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're familiar with the earthquake that happened in my life. Um, and then the, the shockwave hitting, we're mm -hmm. kind of coming to and coming to the reality and the acceptance of it. Yeah, it takes a while sometimes. Yeah, and now the waves are hitting the shore and mm -hmm. kind of bringing it all forward. And it that gives me, because I believe everything, all the patterns are the same and familiar and you know we do what the earth does and, and all of that. Um, it just brings me such comfort. Mm -hmm. you know, the ripple effect Yeah, that it's, it's, it's going to continue and it, it will continue and stay out of judgment on how quickly it moves yeah. along. And the question yeah. we live with then is knowing that will you continue yeah. to live your life as it is? Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you for your reflection. It's really beautiful, Beth. <clears throat> Even though she's gone, I'm thinking she's such a marvelous photographer. Is some of why she may photograph. Oh, Richie's back. Yay. So unmute yourself there. Now do we have sound? No, still no sound. Oh, no. I want to get to know you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Um, if you would, you know, in the little chat thing down below, um, I just heard something. Nope. Uh, in the chat thing, you can always send me a little message. We may not be able to respond to it now, but send me a little message, okay? So I can see what's there, okay?
And someone else, maybe, while we're, there's Rosemary. Hi, Clint. I'm just trying to get my video. Okay. Hi. Hi. So um, thank you for everything that you were saying. And just before the inquiry, I was watching the news and the network did a beautiful job of bringing in personal stories of people who had suffered through what we're all going through. Mm -hmm in all different types of ways. And it was just the best that I had seen and really, really moved me. And, and I, then I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, okay, this is a, a really special time that we're all in. Mm -hmm. And maybe the way to look at this in practice is that it's an opportunity for compassion because there's so much suffering mm -hmm. and um so anyway that was kind of where i came all for compassion is suffering yeah there was a yeah. poem that was sent to me by one of my students after the madison retreat and there was one line in the middle of the poem i won't go into it because we're at the end of our time but the, the line said um I think I have it close to being right. It said, President Trump is teaching the Dharma. Can you hear it? Yes. 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 And, and One of the really, really quick thing is that I was looking at your face during the five minutes Zazen. And, you know, this is a face of someone who I'm going to get upset now, it's okay, who has lived well, lived fully. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, I have judgments about my face, just like all of us probably do. <laughs> we see ourselves. Um, but in the line in the poem that I read today about allow kindness to flow from your eyes, like the sun yes. on the earth. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. We'll do our final um, recitation of the four uh, practice principles. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment compassion's way Thank you very much. Enjoy your life. Thank you everyone for coming forward today. Appamata's programs and facilities are supported by your generosity and 
your contribution makes a huge difference. So thank you for your generosity. You can find a link to uh, make a contribution on the website, upamata.org. And there are contributions that go directly to the teachers or to Upamata in general. And if you're looking to talk with people a little bit more, please feel free to join us right now in the after inquiry link on the Upamata calendar. Thank you. <laughs>